Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have our special guest, Heidi Majerik, here with us today. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Sarah. So great to see you today. So good to see you, and thank you for being on the show. I'm really excited to just be able to share some of the information that you've shared with me in our private moments and, um, and just get the word out about some of the things that you do to build social capital. So I know you have a, a great deal of cool things happening today, but would you mind just kind of sharing a little bit about yourself and lead us up to where we are now? You bet, Sarah. So um, as you said, my name is Heidi Majerik. I am from Northwestern Pennsylvania originally. I grew up in farm country. I'm a farm girl. Um, my grandfather had a farm and my father had a milk calling business. Uh, I did my undergraduate degree in environmental engineering from Syracuse University and I moved out to Denver in 1995 um, and was a civil engineer, um, which launched me into my career in real estate. My first um, real estate job was with Interwest. They owned Copper Mountain. I was a part of building the village at Copper. Um, and from there, I went and built my first master plan community called the Raven at Three Peaks. It was a um, golf course community, still is. Um, and then from there, I was recruited by Forest City to work on the redevelopment of Denver's old airport, Stapleton, uh, the largest urban infill development in the United States, which I was fortunate enough to be the director of development um, for Forest City on Stapleton for almost 15 years of my life. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, from there, I went to work um, a short time for Glen Lease. I'm going to tell you a little story about that. Um, and had an opportunity to be a home builder for two and a half years um, with Wonderland Homes. And I'm currently the vice president and general manager for the Southern Land Company. So, um, so that's kind of my career in the short. Um, and I want to go back. You had asked where you know, I came from to bring me to today. So I'd just like to talk a little bit about um, being a Pennsylvania farm girl. So I want to know, that's what I was going to ask. I'm like, how do you go from a farm girl to a developer, master yeah. plan community developer? With a, with a lot of luck and a lot of help. And the help starts from those rural roots. Um, my father's side of the family, Majeric, is my maiden name. Um, that uh, is Eastern European. And my grandfather and my grandmother both immigrated when they were small children um, from Eastern Europe. And so um, if you know anything about Eastern Europeans, they're extraordinarily hardworking people, um, as are farmers. Um, farming is difficult. Um, it's a lot about um, survival, and it's a lot about social capital, actually, because farming communities all help each other. Uh, the only way to be able to make a success of it is to help one another. So growing up on the farms, I would be on other people's um, farms, helping them bring in the hay, um, helping pick strawberries, um, helping with the, with the livestock, doing anything that needed to be done um, so that everybody could come up. Um, and that really is the great American dream, is having these immigrant grandparents who pulled themselves up out of poverty 
um, which continued on through my uh, my through my father. Um, not educated, he um, doesn't have a, a high school degree. He got a degree, or he got a um, a trade degree in carpentry, which he is wonderful at. But he started a trucking company when he was very young, um, and enabled me to be able to go to Syracuse University um, debt free. So really, those wow. two generations of hardworking Eastern Europeans behind me slingshotted me forward. Um, and what I really learned from the farmers about how you take care of one another, we kind of call that civic leadership in the big city, but, but it's not considered that on the farms. It's just what you do. It, it's right. what you, do. You, you volunteer your time, you give your money to your church, you, you help others in the community, um, and it's about taking care of one another um, so that we can be our best versions of ourselves. So I really think of that as my foundation and that combination of hard work and relationships is what's gotten me to where I am in my career. Uh, thank you so much for sharing, Heidi. It's, I'll never forget when I first really started to get to know you on a board and you stepped in, I didn't know much about you. Um, I'm not even sure that more than casual hellos we'd really spoken. And then I heard you speak about a political issue that had to do with construction in the industry. And I just was in awe of just the, the passion and the knowledge, the expertise and the confidence that you had to just share your heart and ask the hard questions and answer tough, tough uh, questions that kind of came from their perspective. And do you see that you've always sort of been passionate about the things that you're involved in? Or how do you see like that kind of transition from your Eastern European roots and then kind of coming up through Syracuse? How do you see all of that sort of playing together? You know, I think it's, I've been very lucky to end up in a career that is a place of passion that has allowed my hard work to move me forward. Um, you know, I call myself a community developer, but most people understand real estate developer. Um, you know, that's, that's what I do. And it's a difficult business. Um, it's a male-dominated business, and that hard work, um, that drive to get forward, right? That drive to come from, you know, a place of poverty. You know, rural Pennsylvania. I it, it was tough for my father coming up, and and just driving to move our families forward, to move myself forward, to move my next generation forward, and to come out to Colorado right after Syracuse and work for an engineering firm and have one of my, um, one of my clients be a, you know, an owner of a, a ski resort that they were going to develop. And just to, to naturally get pulled into that because I was their consultant and I was on site a lot, they saw what I could do and they pulled me in as a, as a vertical construction manager. I was overseeing the construction of the Copper Station um, Day Lodge and the Copper Springs condominium building and then went from there to develop the golf course master plan community. So it was, it was luck, um, that combination of hard work and being in the right place at the right time and falling into this career in real estate development. And it is passion true, Sarah. It is passion true. Everything I've done has been um, in the realm of housing, whether it was resort condominiums or now master plan community development um, and to have that also the background in vertical construction to understand how the buildings come together is is really key um, has just been luck to fall into this place of housing passion and whether it's 
it's, it's my career or whether it's the volunteer service. Um, we know each other from the Home Builders Association in Metro Denver. I'd like to talk about that in a little bit. Um, we know each other there. Um, so whether it's the volunteer work I've done with that organization or what I do with my personal time to try to um, move forward housing um, and housing for all. Um, yeah. It's just been luck, I think. Oh, I think yeah. it's more than luck. Um, but, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later as well. You know, just hearing you talk, Heidi, I'm curious, in the essence of social capital and just the idea that relationships are strategic to our success, do you see that relationships have played a part for you in your journey? Without a doubt. And before I get into that, I just have to preface it with, while I work in a place of passion, which is housing and um, community building, really community building is about relationships, right? It's, it's about connecting people. What I value in my career the most are the relationships I've built because of it, right? right. So any achievement I've had, any great thing I've been a part of, um, anything I've accomplished in my career, they're, they're great. But they all, that all fades away and what remains is the relationships that I've built through the process and it's what I absolutely value the most. So um, did you want, I'm gonna let you ask the next question before I jump into the next thing. Well, the next question was really gonna be, you know, do you find that in building relationships, there are sort of key components that ring true on multiple levels or multiple um, situations or scenarios. Do you find that there's sort of key ingredients that you feel need to be there in order to build those relationships? Um, I'd say, Sarah, it's just authenticity, right? Um, we don't, if you're trying to build a relationship for the networking or the relationship, what it can do for you, it's not going to work, right? It, it's, it has to be coming from um, a place of being genuine. And I'm lucky in that respect that I'm an extrovert. <laughs> so I'm naturally curious of other people. I, I'm, I'm drawn to them. I want to know about them. Um, and I want to spend time with people. And so I think it's, I've been fortunate in my relationship to have so many advocates who push me forward and, and, um, and believe in me and stand with me when times have been difficult. Um, that's, that's been, you know, luck of my natural personality of wanting to know people and, and build those relationships. It's, it's what I value most. And yeah, I've had some, I've had some real advocates stand with me um, that have come from that. And so I'd, I'd love to share a story with you if I can. Yes, please. So this is, this is a really personal story in my career. And where I got, where I had that opportunity to really see um, those relationships come forward for me in, in some of my time of need. So I had a short stint when I went from, um, from Forest City for almost 15 years of my life doing Stapleton and knowing, you know, I was in my early 40s and I had some pretty big holes in my career. I didn't understand finance. I, I didn't have that experience in finance. And to be able to fully put a deal together, to go out, acquire the land, to do all the market study, to, um, to finance it, and then to entitle and build. I had kind of the entitle and build. I didn't have that, that um, you know, that 
finance land acquisition deal side. Um, so I needed to leave and I went out to what I thought was going to be the right next step to give me the full package and let me be able to run, run a project, right? Give me a big project to run all components. And it didn't work out. It was, um, it was a really bad fit for me with the company that I went to. Um, and it was different than what I thought. And I knew within three days that I had made a wrong step. Oh, that's hard. It was punishing. Um, I thought I was going to be hiring a team within my first month, and I wasn't. I was isolated, doing all underwriting, um, and it 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 crushed me. Um, it, I was broken. I felt like I was failing, and after six months, I had to leave the job because I was uh, my mental health was taking a hit because. I am an extrovert. I need those relationships and I was isolated and I am only of value because of the people who are around me. So that's how extroverts work. The people that I inter interact with, engage, anything that I might achieve is actually their accomplishment because they, I need them. And so it was this, this bad situation that I walked away from um, after six months and felt um, that I didn't have value anymore. You know, it was pretty, pretty broken. I wanted to take my chips off the table and I backed away from my career for three months. And the way that my network stepped up for me, the way that they came forward, the way that everybody had what was next for me, the way that the job offers came in um, and, and uh, the job I decided on with, um, with my friends at Wonderland Homes, um, those guys really brought me back to life. They brought me into the business without, um, without a specific job description. They made me their VP of business development. And then they just let me be me. They're like, Heidi, you're fabulous. You're amazing. Just come into this business and, and be you. And in the process of that, what they taught me, and that, that job that I left that wasn't right, everything is a step in your career, right? And that was a specific step. I learned how to underwrite in that job and I learned public finance in that job. So in that six months, that company gave me that, and it was the step to Wonderland Homes where I then really learned um, market study from them. I learned how to price product. I learned um, how to take a deal all the way through from the beginning to the end, which got me to where I am here now as um, vice president and general manager of Southern Land Company with a 400-acre project um, that I'm really, really excited about with a, a great company and, and a great fit. And so that that hard time that I went through, um, all of those relationships stepped up for me. You know, people came forward and were like, hey, it's okay, right? Like sometimes yeah. things don't work. Sometimes they don't work. And, and I think we all know that um, from failure comes success, right? We can't always win. Sometimes we're going to fail. And what I would share is that um, that was the hardest I'd ever been knocked down. Um, and it took a lot of courage for me to put my chips on the table. And man, am I glad I am. So if you get knocked, <laughs> if you get knocked down, just put the chips back on the table and, and get dealt back in. Just get back up. Oh, I'm so glad that you did that. And thank you for encouraging us and sharing and being vulnerable about that experience. Because sometimes it is. It's not always uh, rosy and perfect. And sometimes there's major challenges. And, um, you know, kind of along those lines, being in the position that you're in, um, also being a mother and a wife and all of these other things, how do you find 
that you can kind of manage and balance a lot of those different relationships. Yeah, I to be honest, Sarah, that's been a struggle, right? My family has paid the price for my career, without a doubt. Um, my husband and, and my son, um, they have taken a back seat a long time so that I can follow my passion. So if you could tell me or <laughs> one of your other folks here you're viewing kind of how to find that balance, it, it would be fantastic. Um, it is a struggle for me. I'm very type A. I'm very driven. Um, I work really hard. So I guess I will just say that I'm lucky to have a family that supports me, um, that understands who I am. Um, my husband knows what he married. And <laughs> they stand behind me and allow me to um, pursue my passion and my desire to, to add something to civil society. And, you know, that's really, when you talk about social capital, I mean, that's what real estate development is. We are building place where people can connect. You know, Winston Churchill said, we shape our buildings and thereafter they shape us. And that is absolutely the truth. So the, the, the physical place we build is the platform of relationship building. I mean, remember Aristotle taught in the Agora, which is the marketplace. That was a man-built place, the marketplace. It's where he taught. And so that's, you know, that's, that's where I come from, as, is creating that places where people connect and build social capital. Which is huge. I mean, and now in, it seems like just more and more we're hearing conversations about placemaking and about you really building with community in mind and this collaboration and cooperative spaces. Do you see any trends or do you, with where you kind of see things going, are you seeing anything that you find interesting that you'd like to share? Sure. And in, this, in the space of my world, one of the big conversations today is about where millennials want to live. And there's this, there's two schools of thoughts. One, they want to live downtown. And one is, no, no, they want to live um, out in the suburbs and, and, and do as previous generations did. And what I think of that entire situation is, is that it's more about the ability to connect with one another than is the specific place. You can get that downtown in the urban. And if you're building in the suburban, which is where I build, you can create that as well. The form of the community and the manner in which you build it and the social soft programming services you provide within it can create that con connection to one another, regardless of the location. And so that's what I really strive to do um, in, in the role that I play and the communities that I build um, is to support, um, to support the people who are going to live there, to give them the places to connect, whether that's front porches that, that face the street. And so you spontaneously engage with one another because you happen to be walking out your front door and wave to your neighbor and, and you start to talk. Or whether it's building a harvest table in a park that can seat 30 people because you can't seat that in your house. So you could host a really large event in the summertime um, outside of your house. So those are just a kind of a couple examples of of how I work to build to connect. I think it's such a cool way, such an awesome way of moving towards that direction. It's like we used to kind of have that. Um, it seems like it was more traditional. And then now there was this idea that millennials weren't, nobody was really sure what they wanted. And now it's starting to just come out. I think you're right that it's just so much about that ability to connect with one another and find some common place that we can be human together. Um, around topics that are, are common and human for us as well. Um, it's so simple and yet profound uh, mm -hmm. all at the same time. I'm curious, you know, as you bring up millennials and 
And that, you know, if you were talking to either your younger self or maybe uh, someone that you mentor uh, and you had any advice for them regarding, you know, building their network and the value of social capital, what would you, what would you share with them? I would share that always, just always follow your passion, right? So if you're, if your passion is um, mountain biking and you go join a mountain biking club, you're going to build relationships that are going to be important to you there. Or if your your passion lies around marketing, you know, join some marketing um, groups and and follow your passion there. Um, and most importantly, um, is to is to approach it with the idea of giving back, not taking. Yeah. Right. Right. We're giving back. We're not we're not expecting to give to get something in return. We're going out to pour into other people. That's that's what it's about is lifting other people up and getting that opportunity um, to help them. And then it comes back to us because if we go out into that type of space of building networks, that's, that's about me, not about you. And if I make it about me, it's, it's, it's not going to work for either of us. And so, you know, me from, um, you know, we got to know each other, the home builders association of Metro Denver, which is our industry organization for everybody that's involved in the home building industry. Um, and so I remember very specifically when um, some of the division presidents of the home builders came to me and asked me to join the leadership ladder of that organization to eventually be the president of the board. Um, and that's a four year commitment um, to do that. And it's, it is your year as board president. So I am the immediate past president. Um, 2019 was my year as board president is a tremendous amount of work. It is a very large commitment. Uh, my family definitely took the back seat last year. Um, and when I was asked to do that, um, I, I knew the commitment was big and I thought about it. And there were a couple of reasons that I decided um, to do it. And first, I have to say, I was very honored that the division presidents would entrust the organization to me. It's very important to our, our industry, as you know. Um, we are, are working on a lot of political fronts um, to move our industry and our communities forward. So obviously, was very honored to be asked. Um, but we all have to take our turn at the head and pull. We all need to take our turn and lead, just as you have, Sarah. You've led on very many fronts in our industry, Professional Women in Building Council and CBRC and a couple of the other different organizations. Um, we all have to do our parts for our community. We all have to do that. And so that goes back to those farming roots, right? Yeah. You, you do what your community needs of you. Right. My community needed that of me. Um, and so, um, so I needed to step up and every single one of us needs to do that. Um, and the, um, before I get to the final reason that I did that, I went into it to give. And what I received in return is tremendous. The relationships with some of the division presidents um, of the home building companies in, in Metro Denver, um, relationships with people throughout the entire organization like you, Sarah. I mean, we have our relationship because of, because yeah. of is just truly incredible. Um, what I received to return in the relationships that got built through the process of my four years on the ladder into being board president last year. So again, went out to give, 
right? I went to give. I knew it was a big ask. I knew I was going to give. Never once did I say, well, here's what I'll get in return, so I'll do it. So so it was, everybody's got to take their their turn at the head and pull. Incredibly honored that they would entrust that to me. And finally, um, you know, the HBA is like 77 years old now, and women were only allowed on the board starting in the 1980s. And we only had our first female board president back in like 2015. So there'd only been one female board president. Yeah. And when, um, when that occurred, it was pretty meaningful to me personally to see a woman, because you have to be at the upper levels of business to be the president of that board. So I felt it was important for me for the next generation of women in our industry coming up to do that, to keep us moving forward, to keep the, you know, there's so many women in, in our industry and to, help, to get us up to the upper levels. I mean, all of the home building businesses in Metro Denver, there's only a couple of women at the helm. Yeah. Um, and so I felt that it was very important to help the next generation of women up, to, to, that the next generation will have more women at the helm yeah. um, to do that. And, and I just have to say um, how rewarding that was to, to set that example. So in in the year that I served as board president, um, we hired a new CEO and executive of the HBA. Um, as you know, she's the first female CEO um, of the Home Builders Association of Metro Denver. Yeah. So last year was her first year. And with me on the, as the president of that board, it was the first year the organization had ever been run by two women, a female That's board awesome. and a female CEO. And our executive leadership ladder, I helped put another woman on that coming up behind me. And so the year that I was board president was the uh, first year that of the five members of the executive committee of the board, three were women. So it was wow. the first time, first time ever that the organization had the majority of the executive committee as women. And just keep in mind, these are all women who got to where they were based on merit, right? Yeah, right. So that's that opportunity to be, to be a part of helping um, to be that moment of history for the organization and for our industry to help pull other women up. Um, I, could not, I, I, I couldn't have planned it that way, Sarah. Right. When I was asked to do this, this was years and years ago, to, to, to be able to have that all occur in one year, that kind of pulling other women up is not something I could have planned. And I just have to end the story with, at the end of 2019, um, in our Sheree Talbert, our CEO, her first right. year, was the first year the organization had not only made but beat its budget since 2014. Woo! So, way to go, ladies. Pretty, I'm very, very proud of Sheree and what she accomplished in her first year of running the organization. So, um, so that's a lot to get back um, when I stepped up to, to, to give back, right? Yeah. Not, not for me to receive in return for giving and yeah those relationships that i built um that we built in that process will will always be there for me in return it's amazing and thank you for your contribution i mean the uh, you're right the i can only imagine the amount of time and um just 
just overall effort in all the different ways that it required, but it really was a monumental uh, year. And it's fun to watch on the, the photos of all the board presidents. You know, it's like, we have one woman, now we have two women, and soon we'll have three. Um, and just to see progression and, yeah. and uh, you know, just movement in those places is really inspiring, like you said. And for women who are coming up, who are saying like, hey, maybe it's not such a far off thing to think that this is possible. Um, and to, to aspire for that. And so that's really, um, it's, it's, a, it's an encouragement and an inspiration. And so thank you for your contribution there and the time that you gave of yourself and the sacrifice that your family made uh, to have you there. And, you know, in, in even that conversation, you know, some of what I love to do in the show is to just give some practical ways that people can take this show and go apply it immediately to start to see social capital being developed in their life. And so you sort of mentioned, you know, getting involved and being a part of the community or the industry that you're connected to, and such as getting on committees or boards or, or things that, you know, can help have that kind of impact. Do you have any other um, sort of practical ways that people could go and start to build their own social capital? Oh, um Outside of getting involved in, um, in industry organizations, um, trying to also be involved in, in the personal side, like don't leave the, the personal side behind. So if you um, have a family, making sure you're engaged in parent groups and um, engaged in, in, with the school. Um, athletic teams are a fantastic way. So that's where I am in my life right now is I have a 13-year-old boy as of Saturday, it was his birthday. Wow. And, and he's playing competitive basketball. And so the I'm building this whole new set of relationships through the parents of the other um, of the other kids on the team. And it's incredibly rewarding. And so um, I those are I, I those and I'll I'll just give you a couple examples of what I do if that helps okay. from a practical standpoint, because I'm kind of struggling here with this. But so you just heard about the basketball. You heard about the HBA. I also served for, oh gosh, like seven or eight years uh, for the Urban Land Institute, which is another real estate development um, nationwide uh, organization. I was on national leadership for seven or eight years. So now I have, I have real estate relationships all the way across the United States. And the role that I'm in now, um, one of our equity partners, is a good friend of mine from Urban Land Institute. So when I interviewed for the job I'm in now, I went to him and said, hey, I know you're doing business with Southern Land. What do you think about them? And he's like, great company, Heidi. You'll be a perfect fit for them. You should definitely um, consider that job. And then he was on the phone calling them, saying you're a lover, she's great. So that's, a, that, that's an example of how practically the relationships through organizations helped me. Right. That yeah. help, that was a really specific um, help that I received from the Urban Land Institute. And yeah, and I never was after that. Right. It was just to be a part of my industry and to learn and to give back. Um, and then I, when I was a real estate developer up at Copper Mountain. So that was way, way, way long ago. You probably weren't even born, Sarah. <laughs> and, um, I still have relationships with the mountain. So last week I was off of work. And I went up and I volunteered for two days for the Dew Tour. Copper just 
um, hosted the Dew Tour, which is freestyle skiing and snowboarding, which yeah. I love. And and because I volunteered my time for two days, I got to meet um, Olympic gold medalist Jamie Anderson. So, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's just it's just getting involved in in all aspects of what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about skiing and and snowboarding, so I went up and did that for two days and get, gave my time. That's awesome, and thank you for sharing. And you're right; it's just that sort of that serendipitous kind of idea that you don't always know exactly what that specific outcome might be, but you believe enough in it to know that if you invest in the time and the relationship that something positive will come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the end of the day. We're, we're what makes our, what enriches our lives is our relationships with other people, whether it's work or personal or, or fun or whatever it is. There's, um, that's what it is. So the community that I'm working on right now, yeah. Um, I was off all of last week as a uh, thank you from my company, amazing company, because they knew I was nothing but the job for about the last six months to yeah. get over a major, um, to get over this incredible major milestone. Um, and so we, we got over this milestone the week before last and, and had this opportunity to take a week and, and, and kind of decompress and, um, and it was just to get to that point where we overcame this major milestone. I was counting up and I think we had about 30 to 40 people that helped me get over this wow. really major milestone. Like I was with all the consultants, everybody who was involved, I was just kind of looking at them. And when we got over the milestone, our COO and president flew out. He had some meeting with equity and then wanted to meet with me. And I said to him, you know, he was, thanking me for a job well done. He knew how hard it was, what I got done um, for the company. And I said, do you know what I value the most out of this experience um, is not the achievement itself and not what we got done and we got in place. I said, but a couple of the relationships that came because of it. And yeah. so we went through fire. I mean, Sarah, we went through fire. And there are a couple of relationships that are folks that are consulting for us, you know, outside consultants and right. um, that just really solidified because of how challenging um, our work was. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, what I walk away from is, yes, we got over a major milestone and had some pretty incredible success, but it's these couple of relationships that where things got really hard, they stood with me, right? Like yeah. they stood fast with me. And we're like, we're going to get this done. You know, we're, we're going to get this done. And that's what I walk away with is these relationships where I was like, yeah, we just got a big, we just got something big done in public hearing, but it's not as meaningful to me as the folks who stood with me. And I could look at and say, wow, you're, you're, we're not just business partners anymore. Now we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And that's a lot of what it becomes. I mean, it's like, they start out as maybe a, a for, more formalized relationship. And then before long, you find you have this huge circle of people that you genuinely care about and that you can count on and that you know that they can count on. They know that they can count on you as well. And, you know, when I left Stapleton, Sarah, when I left Forest City, they were so kind. They had this great going away party for me. And um, I remember when I was saying goodbye to everybody and had an opportunity to share a few words was that, yes, Stapleton is iconic. It, is, it was the work of my lifetime. It was a gift. I'm grateful for it. But I said to them, I said, it's, it's, it's not the building of the community that I'm going to miss. It's going to be all of you. 
Um, it's going to be the relationships. Just to give you an idea, when I left Forest City from Stapleton, I sent an email to everybody I worked with the city of Denver on that project. It was 50 people. Wow. 50. And I mourned that loss. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be hard. When I left Forest City, I mourned the loss of the people that I saw, you know, once a day or once a week, or just the people who were a part of my life because of business that I was no longer going to see. And I mourned their loss for a good five or six months. It was so hard because the amount of people that work on Stapleton and the amount of business network of what you said started as formal relationships, but ended up really personal. Yeah. Was really, it was really hard for me. It, it was really, really um, difficult to, to say goodbye to all of those people. So, yeah, thank you for sharing. And it's true. It's that you kind of pour yourself into those things mm -hmm. and, um, and they do the same. And so the, what's built and what's created from that space of vulnerability and acceptance and truth and, and integrity is just, that's really the social capital. Like that's where it all comes down is that opportunity to connect one-on-one -on -one and in a group, but with people who are maybe even different in a lot of ways than you, but you find these places of camaraderie yeah absolutely and one of the you know, when you think about the city of denver um and those folks and we're real estate developer right and we have to get our entitlement improvements from the city of denver um that's you're at odds a lot right yeah but i walked away with like they were my friends right they, those people who were we are sometimes at odds you walk away as friends and you value them and you miss them Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. The dogs are barking like crazy. I'm like, this is great. Um, I, I'm actually dog sitting. So um, my dogs are usually really quiet. Yeah. But this dog doesn't know how to use the dog door. So he's yeah. just barking from inside the dog door. So I apologize. But hey, I'm a dog person. This is a dog. This is real life stuff. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but you know, I just so appreciate your time and you sharing. And Heidi, you really are an inspiration. I, I've, you're one of just the most passionate and confident women I've just ever met and so smart. Um, and so it's really fun to just be able to understand more about how you've gotten here. Do you have anything going on that you want to share right now or anything you're involved in that you want to tell us about or, or even just any final thoughts? Sure. So one of the things I'm really passionate about, um, that we talked about is housing. And so, um, you know, stepping away from the HBA a little bit, still immediate past president of things going there. I'm a board member of the Metro Housing Coalition, um, which is a um, which is a public action committee that works on political issues and and moving housing forward. Um, and I spend a little bit of my spare time now thinking about housing policy. So I'm always thinking about housing policy. Um, I've been working on some ideas that city council members of the city of Denver have been kind enough to sit down and discuss with me. So, um, you know, I just reach out and say, hey, here's my ideas of how we can have housing for all um, in the city of Denver because our housing pricing is getting really expensive. Um, and I've been reaching out and sharing some of my housing policy ideas with um, uh, Senator Klobuchar, um, her campaign for, um, for president of the United States. That's uh, somebody wow. I've opportunity. Well, so, you know, it's just me sharing my ideas if they use any of them, you know. <laughs> I don't expect that. But uh, so even though I may be stepping away from the HBA organization a little bit, I'm backfilling all of that time just saying, 
It's just my personal research, reading about everything that's going on in housing policy across the United States and staying current on it, connecting with other thought, thought leaders. Um, there's a writer on the East Coast that I've been connected with pretty well. Um, and just finding all of those other people across the US that are passionate about housing and trying to move that forward by civic dialogue on my own here in Denver, just kind of going out and meet with city council members who, who will humor me and, and, um, and just talk about ideas. So that's awesome. I mean, it is, you say in your spare time, I'm like, how do you have any spare time? But, um, so that you, you're calling that, what are you calling that mandate? Is it, does it, you know, I have a name for it. I, know, I, know. I it's, um, so I call it the majeric mandate. I love <laughs> it. It's funny because I don't get to mandate anything. I mean, I get my 13 year old kid to go to bed on time. So <laughs> it's just, it's just a name I give and it, it's a, it's a, it's just a series of policy ideas about what we can change, um, at the local level here in Denver, um, at a state level, at a national level, what can we change to bring um, housing to more people? And how can we um, protect historic communities um, within our city and make sure that, that um, we try not, you know, we're leaving some people behind. And I can see we're leaving some people behind. And how can we try to um, not allow them to fall through the cracks? Yeah, that's so cool. I just think it's an inspiration. And I, I know we're going to see that mandate continue to grow and become a bigger piece of the word and the, the, the talk that the conversations that's being had. Um, so I just appreciate you just being willing to get out there and, and do what you believe is right. And, um, and really, it's your love for people and your willingness to work hard for uh, what you believe that has really gotten you where it is. I really don't believe much of it is luck at all. <laughs> I think a lot of it is is a lot mm -hmm. of your your effort and being being poised maybe at the right place at the right time. But um, I thank you. I thank you for that, Sarah. Those are all very kind words. And you know, just you kind of got me on the what are some practical ideas people can do. I'm like, I don't know, but <laughs> um, but that's just that what I'm doing right now on my own building housing policy. I'm not an expert. There's lots of people who are experts in housing policy, but I just spend my time to read because it's where my passion is and then reach out and ask for meetings. So that's something practical and where that came from is where we started from, which is follow your passion. And that's yeah, all yeah. I'm doing. I'm just, I'm following my passion and this is where it's leading me. And when, when our elected leaders will allow me a few minutes to bend their ear and share ideas, Perhaps I've done something in the civic dialogue, connecting with other people's social capital to move us all forward together because that's when we're best. We, are, we can be our best selves when we connect and lift each other up. Ah, that's huge. And Heidi, thank you so much for being here. We're going to have all of your contact information in the show notes. And, um, and I'm really excited to just be able to share your story where people can connect with you if they have further questions or want to get involved. Is there any last things that you would like to share before we wrap up? You know, I'd just like to thank you um, for finding value and discussing me and just to say, Sarah, how impressed I am that you also are juggling a full-time career and you're launching this blog series. Um, as um, some of your viewers may know, you were awarded the um, One to Watch Award by the National Housing, uh, National Association of Home Builders. Was that 2018? It was, it, I got it in 2018, yeah. It was the 2017 2008. award, yeah. 
2018. You are you. truly one to watch. Um, it is inspirational to watch you come up, Sarah, um, to watch another woman come up in the home building industry. And um, I'm just glad you're my friend. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm glad you're my friend. Um, I look forward to just having you on again. And I'm doing some social capital events. And I'd love to have you come and, and be a, a guest and a speaker for some of those. And just thank you, Heidi, for your time. And I look forward to uh, doing this again soon. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.